Baden, Baden-Baden, Bad Gastein, Bad Ems, Bad Ischl, Bad this and Bad that. No student of 19th century music can fail to come across these spas and resorts, for there was barely a composer of repute who, in the 1800s, did not seek a cure of some kind at one or other of the continent's watering holes. And those that didn't seek cures often sought just peace at the quiet ones or the bustle of the hustling ones. Beethoven, Wagner, Brahms, you name them, they were all at it, and some of the century's most important works were written or conceived at spas. That from Chris Walton in his study, Bath Time. And we learn this about Johannes Brahms and his time in the summer. All his other trips away from Vienna were either concert tours or to spend the summer working in some beautiful spot. Nature was very important to Brahms, as it had been to Beethoven. Brahms loved walking in the countryside, both woods and mountains, and without a doubt, these were creative walks. Max Kalbeck writes, later on in the resort of Ischl, I had the unexpected opportunity of observing Brahms at work. An early riser and nature lover like him, I had gone out very early one warm July morning, Suddenly I saw, hurrying across the meadow towards me, a man whom I first took for a farmer. Afraid that I was trespassing, I was already preparing myself for all kinds of unpleasantness when, to my delight, my angry farmer turned out to be none other than Brahms. But what a state he was in, and his dress, bareheaded and in shirt sleeves, with no waistcoat or collar, he was waving his hat in one hand, while dragging his jacket behind him in the grass with the other, and rushing along so quickly you would have thought there was an invisible pursuer at his heels. Even from a distance I could hear him wheezing and groaning. His hair was hanging over his face, and as he came nearer I could see the sweat pouring down his flushed cheeks. His eyes were fixed in front of him, staring into space, gleaming like those of some beast of prey. He gave the impression of being a man possessed. Before I had recovered from the shock, he had shot past me so close we almost brushed against each other. And surely he was on his way. He had a creative germ in mind. That from the study Brahms by Hans Neunzig. It's interesting to note that a highly talented young cellist was drawn to Eaglesmere in Pennsylvania, and she spent summers playing for guests at one of the lovely inns in the town, a resort. She brought with her her colleagues from the distinguished ensemble, the Philadelphia Trio, and they would perform music by Beethoven and Brahms, composers who wrote music at the resorts of their day. Eaglesmere was laid out, we're told, in the 1870s and quickly became a popular resort town due to its cool mountain air and natural lake. Visitors would climb aboard a narrow-gauge railroad in Sonestown for the trip up the mountain to the town. Once there, visitors enjoyed the beautiful scenery and stayed at one of five luxurious hotels that were once located within the town. 
They also enjoyed the plays at the community's playhouse, which brought in up-and-coming actors like Charlton Heston and Jennifer Jones. That from Uncovering PA by Jim Cheney. Cellist Deborah Reeder, who has been principal cello of the Orchestra of the Opera Company of Philadelphia and a member of the Philadelphia Orchestra, as well as a highly respected educator, went on to invite young musicians to an annual music workshop named appropriately Music in the Mountains, 2,000 feet above sea level along a natural spring-fed lake. The Eaglesmere Friends of the Arts will present the return of music in the mountains this Friday at the DeWire Center, and we had a chance to speak by phone with cellist Deborah Reeder about the program and about her ties to the town. All my relatives, all my ancestors, everyone was from the town of Muncie, not Muncie Valley, but Muncie. And so I would visit my grandmother. My grandfather had died in Muncie. My grandfather had built the house that they lived in and laid the sidewalks and proudly put little brass placards in each one. So wonderful, I have one of them. And when we came up to visit my grandmother, I stayed in Lake Macoma, which is in the nearby resort, you know, six miles away in Laporte. Stayed there when I was five years old. And that imprinted on me somehow, picking blueberries and pictures of me rowing a boat at five years age. Probably couldn't do it now. <laughs> but I would beg my parents, please, can't we go to Wigglesmere when we were going to Muncie, not knowing that they're not really in the same, you know, direct route. And they do it every once in a while. But then I was a cellist that played at the Crestmont, the old Crestmont Inn, until they ceased functioning, which was around 1980, I think. My father had been a bellhop at the Crestmont. He had done some work for Colonel Ricketts at Ricketts Glen. It's just hard to believe. He must have been very, very young at that time. But the ties go way back on both sides of the family. So I love the area. I also love the state of Maine, the coastline of Maine, because I spent three summers there in a little town called Blue Hill, Knizel Hall. It's a wonderful chamber music festival. And I loved the idea of having a house in Maine. But, you know, it's at least eight or ten hours away. Here we have Eaglesmere, which has everything, but it doesn't have the coast, of course. But, you know, when you're driving around the back roads here, it looks just like back roads in Maine. <laughs> it's so similar. It's just wonderful. That's my connection. So I bought my house here in 1976, and that same year I started Music in the Mountains. But before I had the house, the Philadelphia Trio was giving concerts here. We had two concerts a year. One at the first, but then we had two a year. And that went on for, for quite a while. And the Music in the Mountains, we started in 1976 for high school age, string players and pianists. I started out with just cellos. We had like six cellos the first year and a pianist, I think. And then Barbara came on board, Barbara Sonny's, the violinist in the trio. She came on board and brought in violinists and violists. And so it, it grew. We had as many as maybe 15 students at top. Usually it was maybe around 10, but we did that until about 10 years ago, and then it got to be difficult recruiting people. The theater group here, too, which is called ETC, also, which did a similar thing for theater students, had to stop. It just became too impossible to. There's too much competition from other organizations, and so they they no longer have anything. And all we have is this one concert a year, and right now it is a core group of five students, the same five and been doing it for, let's say, the past five years. It's a string quartet and, and a pianist. And they just love coming here. 
two of them. I'll give you their names. Rachel Kane is a pianist, and she's also head of middle school at Sidwell Friends School in, in Washington, a quite famous school, and she continues to play, of course. Then we have Rachel Siegel, who's a violinist who does some freelancing in Philadelphia and has the uh, Fairmont String Quartet. And the cellist in the group, who's Mimi Morris Kim, is in that group as well. Uh, Rachel also is chairman of something called the Primavera Fund, which helps young music students. And then our violist is Andrew Weaver, who is head of the musicology department, I think I've got it right, at Catholic University in Washington. Philip Carter is another violinist. He does a lot of freelancing in the New York area. And they're all former students, and they love coming back. And it's like a reunion for them. And uh, we love doing it. They love coming back, and they stay up here. And they stay at a house that belongs to a family that supported us. So, and they, they just love it. That's the story with Music in the Mountains. For the concert, then, do you suggest what pieces they might play? How does that come together? It works both ways. We're leaving more and more of it in their hands. And they're doing some really interesting things. They're doing a, a these are only movements, of course, that they do, a piano quartet by Joseph Suk, S-U-K, who was Dvorak's son-in-law, was that it? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be a lovely piece. I don't know it. And we'll start the program with that. they will finish it with the first movement of the Brahms piano quintet, which is one of my favorite pieces in the entire world. And they're doing a movement of a quartet by Florence Price. Um, they're doing Rachel Siegel's transcription of something from West Side Story tonight, I think. And she does that kind of thing. So they're doing something of Borzak Bagatelle's. They're doing a movement of a Beethoven piano trio and a movement of Prokofiev string quartet. So it's a combination. We really live the programming almost 95% up to them. Oh, oh yes, they're also doing a Puccini. It's called Chrysanthemum. It comes from the same music of, of Manon that he wrote, and it's a gorgeous piece. That was my suggestion, as was the movement of the uh, Tchaikovsky string quartet called the Andante Cantabile, probably the most famous of his string things. So those were my suggestions. But the souk was their idea, and the Brahms, you know, and Beethoven's piano trio, too, I think, the C minor one. So it's a varied program, and they're very good at it, and they, they try to have things by composers such as Florence Price, of whom I was not aware until just a few years ago. She's the hot item these days. Philadelphia Orchestra has recorded several of her symphonies. She was a decent composer, a very more than decent that's the sort of thing they're doing. We approve of it. You know, we, if there's anything we don't want them to do or don't think, we'll talk about that. But increasingly, we're giving them the option. We just have final say over it. Anyway, it's a good program, I think. When you have players who like each other and love the place, respect you all, and feel young again when they come and remember their youthful enthusiasm, the performing is at its height. They're filled with passion, I'm sure. And I keep calling the kids. The barber says, they're not kids. Well, everything is relative, you know. <laughs> Most of them are in their 40s, I think. I mean, maybe all of them. <laughs> I've lost track. But, you know, they, they do love it. And uh, I'd like to see more of an audience at these classical concerts. Things have changed over the years. You saw the program this year, didn't you? Yes, I did. And you were hoping they'd do some dance. Yes, that was my idea. Well, it was my idea in the beginning. I tried to do it with Barbara Weisberger. She would have done a, a program of, you know, of uh, videos and stuff. But we have these two wonderful people in Eagles Mirror, Anthony and Jim. Oh, they've been on your program, I think. Yes, they have. Well, they are just the most wonderful addition to Eagles Mirror. 
And so this is through them. And so it's a couple of them are going to be staying in my house, I think. I think it's just fantastic because, you know, really, friends of the arts, arts is more than just music, all the things. And to get dance involved with it, I think it's just fantastic. I mean, these people have wonderful pedigrees, you know, Twyla Tharp, but they're the most wonderful people. And so I'm, I'm very tickled with this year's program. Of course, we have things like the Madiri Brothers, who I think are just wonderful, the jazz group. So it's a good year. Music in the Mountains is only one of two classical events. And the other one is harp and flute. And that is, they call it Sparks, because there's a flutist name is Joan Sparks. And Ann Sullivan is a harpist there. And we played with her up here many times. So that should be good. That's what they call a house concert, because so few people come relatively to the classical concerts that they have these events taking place in somebody's house that will only seat 50 or something. But that's about the number that come. We'd like to see more than that. And the setting is so lovely there in Eaglesmere. It's a wonderful evening to be there before the sun sets and breathe the fresh air. I mean, it's really fresh air and all of that. What a difference, because in Philadelphia today, it's supposed to be like 95 or something. Up here, it's about 75. It's supposed to be maybe 83 or something. That's why we're here. (laughs) In the old days, people needed to get out of Philadelphia in the summertime, out of the heat, and they came to Eaglesmere. And what a trip that was in those days. And a lot of those memories of the early resort have been preserved. Right. Up here at the museum is so fantastic. I'd like to give them a plug because it is so incredible. It just tells you everything you know. And Since I was one of the players at, at the Crestmont, you can see what the old Crestmont dining room looked like and what the menu looked like. You know, I gained 10 pounds the first year and five the second year, never to lose them. You know, they're always there. <laughs> Wonderful memories, and I made a lot of friends there whom I still keep in touch with. And when we had the Music of the Mountains workshop, we always had a night where we sort of told ghost stories and stuff like that. And I told them about something that had taken place at the Crestmont. We had a, we played concerts there. It was Tuesday and Friday, I think. This was like a Wednesday night. The violist, uh, who was actually a psychologist himself, got the musicians together. He said, would anybody like to have a seance tonight? I said, oh, yeah, I would. And most people did want to do, which we we did, and we waited until everybody had gone to bed. And then we went out on the porch, and you do what you do with a seance. You kind of touch fingers and ask if there's anything that is imparted if anybody wants to say. And sometimes the table would move, and we had um, my mother and, and George Reeves, the wonderful pianist, were skeptics, so they were looking to make sure nobody was cheating. Nobody cheated. And the table started to move at one point. He said, is it the spirit of the mountain? The, the table just about took off. <laughs> and I went into the, this was, by this time it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, went into the lobby there where there was a lovely grand piano. I stood in front of the grand piano. I started asking it questions. It just started to move. I tell you, I, I, that was it for me. I, <laughs> I thought, we've tapped into something here. I told that story to our Music in the Mountain students, and so they wanted to try to do this themselves. <laughs> they went into the old Crestmont before it was torn down and had themselves a seance and got themselves spooked. <laughs> Those are the sorts of memories we have, you know. It's surprising no one has programmed the Beethoven Ghost Trio. It's fun. We also had something something called The Legend of the Lake, which you can buy at the bookstore, the wonderful bookstore here in Eaglesmere. And it talks about this old uh, story of the young man and his soon-to-be wife. And she went out on a boat, and a wind came up and blew them over, and she drowned. And then he discovered that if he came to the lake at 12 o'clock, she would, her body would rise at a certain spot at that time. She did, and according to the, the legend, that's what happened.
So if our kids, of course, our kids, you know, we have them read that. And we still do. We have them read that legend. <laughs> and that's part of the lore of it all up here, you know? It's a special place. Distinguished cellist and educator Deborah Reeder of the Philadelphia Trio, speaking about chamber music in Eaglesmere in Sullivan County over the years, and the concert this Friday, August 4th at 8 p.m. at the DeWire Center, 891 Lockport Avenue in Eaglesmere, a reunion of students from the Music in the Mountains program. And you'll hear this music, Music of Josef Suk, the son-in-law of Antony Dvorak. You'll hear Antony Dvorak and the Bagatelles, the much-loved Chrysanthemums by Puccini, as well as a movement from a Beethoven piano trio and the opening of the Brahms Piano Quintet in F minor. It's a full program by professionals and educators who returned because they had such a deep and rich experience in the mountains of Sullivan County in Eaglesmere some years ago under the leadership of Deborah Reeder and Barbara Sony's Music in the Mountains. That's this Friday, August 4th at 8 p.m. at the DeWire Center, 891 Laporte Avenue. For more information, on the web, emfoa.org, emfoa.org, and that's for the Eaglesmere Friends of the Arts, and they present a full series throughout the summer. Among them, as we have just heard, music in the mountains. But Deborah Reeder mentioned the Madeiri Brothers, the jazz group. That's on August 19th at 8 p.m., also at the DeWire Center. And then there will be dance this year, movement, music, and methods featuring the New York Theater Ballet. That's August 11th at 8 p.m. And that's the artistic director, dancers, and music director on hand of the New York Theater Ballet on the process of dance performance and collaboration. So that's a special program, August 11th at 8 p.m. That's Friday night. And then Saturday at 8 p.m. also at the DeWire Center, the New York Theater Ballet and the Philadelphia Dance Theater. Young dancers of the Philadelphia Dance Theater share the evening with seasoned professionals of the New York Theater Ballet in a performance of works from the modern dance and ballet repertoire featuring live music and tailored especially for the intimacy of the DeWire Center. And then the distinguished James Sutton will offer a lecture at 7 o'clock on the 10th to set up those two programs. So it's going to be a full month of August with the Eaglesmere Friends of the Arts. And for more information on the web, emfoa.org, emfoa.org, and Music in the Mountains this Friday, August 4th at 8 p.m. at the DeWire Center, 891 Laporte Avenue in Eaglesmere. 